Welcome to Season 5 of the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, best-selling author and international speaker, Michael Sherlock. The Shock Your Potential podcast is dedicated to entrepreneurs looking to up their game, increase their income, and scale their businesses to new heights. Shock Your Potential is a professional services company providing affordable services to small businesses, matching entrepreneurs with virtual assistants, and offering specialized leadership and sales training to companies around the world. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and listen in now to another motivating episode that will help you to shock your potential. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long, we are talking to authors with a twist. What kind of twist? Well, it depends on each one of my guests. And uh, our guest today is a repeat guest, and I definitely wanted to have him back. We had a great conversation the last time. I can't wait to see where this is going. So let me tell you a little bit about him. Now, Nick Jinkle is a thought leader whose ideas, tools, and his research are designed to take get this, the pain out of transformation, because we know that can hurt sometimes. He also wants to use it to blast through the barriers that block creativity and innovation and instead unleash conscious changes in leadership and life that bring less suffering and more thriving into the spaces we touch. I know we're going to talk a lot about work on this, but I think we're going to find a lot of different ways this also applies to us personally. Now, he's the co-founder of a trailblazing leadership and personal development company, and it's called Switch On. He's also the chief architect of a rigorous methodology and philosophy for transformation the switch on way, which blends the latest neuroscience with timeless wisdom from great traditions. He's used the switch on way to lead organizations as diverse as Novartis, Nike, number 10 Downing Street. And he's used it to change roles, not only in these organizations, but even operated himself in different roles as a coach and presenter and has his own TV series on BBC, I think. He still does. We'll find out. And his latest book, and he's got a lot that we're going to talk a lot about today, is called Now Lead the Change. Repurpose your career, future-proof your organization, and regenerate our crisis-hit world by mastering transformational leadership. And boy, do we need that in our world today. Nick, thank you for being back with us again today. Thank you so much for having me. I was trying to think what the twist was. I think my (laughs) twist is really long subtitles. I love it. Well, I think when I have authors with a twist, you know, sometimes we have people that are, we've got some fiction writers, we've got business writers, but what I love to ask, and and we can dive into this at any point in time, but I have an other question for you, but the real twist to me is why people write the books that they write, because I think it's Mm. fascinating. So we'll dive into that. But before that, I hit some of the highlights of your very impressive career. And I don't know, are you calling in from uh, London today? Are you calling in from LA? Where are you? I'm in London, enjoying uh, sweltering heatwave weather. Oh, yeah. One thing about the British you always can rely on is whatever the weather, hot or cold, they'll complain about it. Um, and so it's about 30 degrees centigrade, which is, I don't know, 90 something Fahrenheit. So it's a lovely day. Had a beautiful walk this morning and, uh, yeah, feeling fully alive. Well, very good. Well, I know it's sweltering in Philadelphia, so I totally get it, but tell us a little bit more. I can't wait to find out what's been happening, happening with you in the last year and a half or so since we last spoke, but tell us a little bit more about you, your business and how what you do helps individuals and organizations to shock their potential. Great. Well, I run 
I'm a co-founder of two businesses and I run one of them. Um, and my co-founder is the director of the other. So um, they're both in a similar space, but have a different sort of way in to organizational transformation. My uh, core business is called Switch On, as you mentioned, and uh, we do uh, innovation work and leadership work, coaching, and some systemic change uh, architecture and, and, and stuff. Um, and I'll come back to that in a sec because that's where I spend most of my time. And then our other business is called Future Makers, and that is a sustainability consultancy. Uh, it's younger, it's four years old, and we work with large organizations who have said, we want to be net positive or we want to be net zero or decarbonize. Uh, now what? And we do the now what, which is getting people to change and getting uh, champions in your company to lead change and uh, and then innovation, you know, innovation of your products and services to be um, minimally carbon, but also maximally impactful. Mm -hmm. So that's Future Makers. So switch on. Uh, we're oh, about 20 years old now. Um, it's been a journey. Um, we started off doing pure innovation uh, realized that most leaders who buy innovation in to develop new products or services um, haven't got the skills and qualities and capabilities to actually do anything with it once it's been bought. Mm -hmm. So we were working on those are great projects and then they just weren't in being implemented. So that got me thinking, hold on a minute. What about this whole thing? Leadership didn't know so much about it, but I have been asked to run innovation training for clients. Mm -hmm. which is basically we would now call creative leadership work. Right. So that pulled me into leadership, uh, pulled me into coaching. And then it kind of chimed with my initial career, which was medicine. And I wanted to be a psychiatrist. And it's only a little um, piece of paper that de delineates the medical uh, psychology profession with the commercial coaching and leadership profession. Yes. Um, they have to understand the same stuff um, uh, or some. Yeah, you have to, you've only got one of these things. And whether you're a psychiatrist or a coach, you're dealing with making this hopefully work better. Um, so kind of what beautifully brought me back to my initial deepest love, really, which is how we work and how to get more out of our um, potential. Yeah. And it's so true. Well, I was one credit shy of a double major and psychology was my second major. And I have, it's so funny, because when I was going to school, I originally thought I wanted to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I knew I wasn't going to be a psychiatrist. I could not pass medical school. <laughs> that was not in my wheelhouse. But um, psychology always fascinated me. But even then, at that age, I thought that it really only had one application. And throughout my career, you know, enjoying the recognition of psychology in sales processes, and to your point, in leadership, um, going through change, navigating through a pandemic, you know, figuring out how to have business work. You're not only having to deal with those uh, issues yourself as an individual and as a leader, but recognizing how uh, the brain and the feelings of the individuals within your organization impacts success and outcomes is really incredible. And I'm kind of hopeful, I don't know about you, that as we navigate this kind of new world, that we're much more cognizant of the, the mental and emotional beings that make up our companies and maybe trying to operate from a different standpoint rather than maybe some old school leadership techniques. I think that has been one of the great gifts of the last few years because we've had to do that. There's no, we no choice to do that. Um, 
I've been trying to preach that for a long time. And um, it's only really recently, it wasn't caused by the pandemic, but it, they sort of co-hit at the same time. There's already an interest in emotional safety, in trust, um, in the hormones of uh, oxytocin or, or acetylcholine. There's already been a, a, a groundswell. In fact, you could say that entire leadership movement of the last 20 years is really a response to management. Yeah. technologies which were all about control and efficiency and that's great we need all that stuff um but it's not sufficient and it's not sufficient to live in this world of exhaustion and overwhelm and uncertainty and it's never going away there's yeah. never going to be a, a a normal world again i mean we, the normal's gone yeah. so we, we kind of we were living still in this kind of golden age of the 50s to say the 80s 90s where everything was pretty stable and consistent more or less. And so um, we didn't really need to do that much creativity, adaptation, um, transformation. And then the digital world changed that for some businesses that were like, oh my God, we don't exist anymore because <laughs> there's a digital answer to what we used to do. But a lot of companies didn't have to deal with disruption. They were just like, well, we just do this thing over here in this little bit of the economy that no one cares about. And we just carry on churning out X widget or Y service and we make a great margin and continuous improvements fine and then uh that sort of just shift with the millennials but again still a whole bunch of companies don't have to care they're like we don't really employ anyone young we just have these 12 people or these 50 old people whatever so that really didn't disrupt them and then suddenly boom pandemic boom boom climate change and so we've now got two fully non-negotiable um and you could add in um political meltdown which is occurring in most company, uh, countries, most advanced countries. Um, these are non-negotiable. And then we're going to have, you know, um, resistant um, bacteria resistant to antibiotics. And we might have people dying of a, of a cut again. Um, we're going to have other illnesses, monkeypox. It came, it went. Will it come back? Who knows? Don't even know what it is. Um, but uh, one thing we know is the world is never going to be what I call um, stable, consistent, um and clear mm -hmm. um and so that then creates a huge question for organizations which very few have really answered completely mm -hmm. which is as well as all the standard stuff that we used to do what else do we have to do mm -hmm. to make sure that what we do is actually still relevant and not just i call not just forging uh, fitting the future but forging the future because mm -hmm. part of your job is to stay adaptive to what's going on around you a part of your job is to lead what's going on around you and cause it to be the way you want it to be, um, whether it's for Gen Z, whether it's digital, um, whether it's more empathy, whether it's more flexible working, whatever is your purpose and passion. Well, and one of the conversations I was having in the last couple of months, a couple of months ago with an individual who's their business um, had, you know, basically like many companies had gone all virtual during the pandemic. And then as things got better about a year ago, they started requiring people to come back. And so then they saw this as part of the, you know, the initial part of the great resignation. And then they're like, you know, why are you leaving? Well, I want to work remote. Well, no, we're not going to work remote. And I had this conversation with one, in, one leader in particular, and he said, you know, people are just going to have to get used to it. They're just going to have to come back to work. And I said, I asked him, I said, why? 
And he said, well, because that's how we're all going to get to work together again. We're going to have communication. It's going to, you know, the people who stay at home in a hybrid world are going to get left out. And I said, why? <laughs> so I kept asking him why, which is kind of my thing until I really thoroughly annoyed him. But I said, <laughs> the reason I'm asking you the questions is because I'm trying to get you to ask whether or not you ask your employees the question. Don't ask, do you want to come back to work or not? Say, we are going to start to transition back to a, a in-person environment. What are your concerns? Mm -hmm. Are you excited about that? Are you nervous about that? Tell me more and actually have conversations so that it's not going back to a, an autocratic kind of mindset, which your company really hadn't operated from, but that's where you want to revert to. And instead, actually learn about your people because what they did when he first started asking questions is he found out like with a couple people, they were cancer survivors and mm -hmm. they're like, I'm terrified. I'm vaxxed. I'm double vaxxed. I'm everything, mm -hmm. but I'm terrified of being in a small environment. I can't sleep with the thought. Other people are like, Hey, I don't like the commute. Hey, I'd like to do it, but only, you know, these days, Hey, I've learned that I can be the hall monitor for my kid's school. Mm -hmm. And what if we actually asked the questions that got to the root of it? Maybe we might make different answers and solutions, or maybe we just have better um, discussions about why we are going to go back or not. You know, there's mm -hmm. lots of solutions. I think what, what the best companies are doing are asking questions. Well, that's the, the core of sales, right? Mm -hmm. Is and I, I used to not really know what sales was and not really do sales and really understand it. Mm -hmm. And then I realized sales is actually where, when it's good, it's where emotional intelligence lives most acutely in an organization, mm -hmm. um, where relationships are more important than process, um, where asking the right questions more important than having the right answer, because that's the whole point is you've got to understand your client, your customer or your client's uh, ideas, not yours. And so um, there's a lot from that world um, that is really at the core of leadership. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the kind of leadership that we do is called, we call it transformational leadership. We didn't know what else to call it. So we call it transformational leadership, <laughs> which is the ability to cause lasting positive change. Mm -hmm. But that could be in a process, that could be in a team away day that could be in the, in the entire business model of your business model of your industry it's all the same the process is the same the tools are the same um they just you just work at different scales and levels um and so that's the kind of core of it and in fact one of the things that i i've spent years teaching people about these two different modes of of operating as a leader mm -hmm. entrepreneur whatever and we call one control and protect mode and we call one create and connect mode Nothing wrong with either. They're both amazing, both evolutionarily useful. Um, but the kill, you know, the killer question is, are you using the right mode for the moment? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've been looking at with this hybrid office thing um, and the sort of new, the new never normal world is that it gives us a chance to really get more modal, modal in our, how we work. So, okay, I'll be in the office for this three-day workshop, super excited, and then I'm going to spend five days at home doing catching up on everything and just getting stuff done and seeing my kids and remembering I have a life, you know, all that sort of stuff. Then I'll be back for this thing that you want me to do. Then I'll fly here. And it, there's actually an opportunity to use our context uh, in the hybrid workplace to also inform our, our, our content, our mode. Plus at the, I'm actually writing an article at the moment, potentially a book um, about uh, what you could call seasonal or rhythmical leadership, which is that, which is that grown out on a whole year. Like, so we know that 
um, nature is really good at um, going through seasons, particularly in um, the non-equatorial areas, right? right. Um, whereas companies want us to be in what I would call a perpetual summer of constant creativity and good joy vibes and motivation and high performance. And it's like, yeah, we can do that. And then I also need some winter because I need to, you know, grieve, deal with some loss at home, yeah. uh, cry for my own midlife that's passing me by. I don't know, whatever it is. Um, and Wait, then I'll come back. Like me. You know, Wait, that's exactly. me. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's one of the things about the lockdown, which was we should never lose. Mm-hmm. is the reality that we've all got a lot of emotional um, material mm-hmm. all the time to process. The nature of life is to have lots of stuff to deal with. And when you're younger, it's one set of stuff, like how am I going to get a job? Is my job good enough? Am I going to get married? Whatever. When you're older, it's like, oh, my God, I'm no longer young. Where's my youth gone? When I'm older, you know, I'm going to die. What's my legacy? It doesn't really matter. It's just a lot to process i think the pandemic gave us this opportunity to go that's everyone that's life and we can't pretend it's not there from eight to ten at night for during the working hours right and one of the things i'm trying to get leaders to find a path for themselves and their organization is if you want people to bring their full creative passion purpose genius their ideas about the future their own thoughts work extra hours, discretionary effort, then you're going to, then you need to also accept with it, their emotionality and, and challenges and, and inner, inner tensions and whatever. Mm-hmm. At the same time, work is not group therapy. So, <laughs> and that's a really difficult nuance because some people, when they're uncontained and unbounded, mm-hmm. just splurge their dramas over the workplace. Right. And that's really unhelpful slash toxic. slash drama takes drama out of everything um and so how do you create is one of my questions for myself and the world how do we create full spectrum workplaces where we allow people to be humans Mm -hmm. with all their flaws and foibles and fragilities and all their potential power potency and, and and possibility and boundary everyone so we know that this is stuff that you need to deal with not in a leadership program but in therapy or in a healing or whatever. But within a leadership program, we might want to even talk about trauma-informed development. We might want to talk about um, our difficulties, feeling like we belong. Uh, So there is some scope for that kind of work in a leadership group, Mm -hmm. Um, but there's also a boundary and there's no right or wrong with that boundary. It's just, it has to be found. Um, And I think great leaders are working out that for themselves, but you can't do that for others if you are emotionally and um, spiritually and psychologically um, blind or unsophisticated, because you, you can't help others if you haven't helped yourself, general rule. Well, and it just made, as you were talking, it made me think about how in in the beginning of the pandemic, um, you know, we all began to give each other grace for when the kids would run through absolutely dogs knocking something over, or you're like, you know, the, the Amazon person's knocking on the door and that was good. And I think it was really helpful for us because we did see the more human side of each other and totally and that came through. But now that we have a different environment and there is there, we are moving into this new kind of phase. 
I absolutely agree with you. Now we can talk about what it doesn't mean to have boundaries because my entire team is all remote. In fact, they're on the other side of the world. And so we're talking about things like, what is your workspace? What does it look like? Yeah. How do you talk to your family about um, respecting your workplace when you are during work mm. time? Um, how do you structure your day? Because you don't have to, you know, m- many of my team are finishing their day when I'm starting my day. So how do you have, how do you maybe organize your day? It doesn't have to be a sit here from eight to five kind of thing. Yes. And I think we're having better uh, conversations, but at the heart of it is let's still recognize the boundaries that are important and boundaries that we need, need to implement to be effective in these new kinds of work environments. I mean, I think we generally suck at boundaries. I think we generally haven't been taught how to do them. We're either angry or we're dismissive and dissociative. We either let too much in or not enough in. Um, And, um, you know, essentially we either dissociate and we don't care what anyone thinks or we're neurotic and care way too much what everyone thinks. And we sometimes flip between those. Um, And what what I call now in my work developing semi-permeable boundaries which is what cells do right if a cell is open to everything all ideas all innovations all data trends it would implode it can't function but if it's rigid and can't let in i don't know amino acids and and energy it dies as well so biology has a great uh, metaphor for everything i'm really a biologist at heart um and how do you create semi-permeable membranes which are you know this is my work time for myself, this is my time when I'm not working. This is when I'm going for a walk. Uh, and this is my time when I'm going to do my relational piece when I'm, uh, yes, yeah, so one of the things that's come from me from, from the last two years is I u- now use um, WhatsApp and Signal. Mm-hmm. Um, not the text, I use voice messages with all my collaborators and anyone who I'm sort of moving something along with because i actually find zoom calls exhausting i'm an introvert no one thinks i am but i am uh just brackets i am um although i speak you know twice a week to thousand people audiences as a keynote speaker um i i get a lot i find it very overwhelming yeah but whatsapp you know i can do a two-minute message i can do it when i'm walking the dog i'm reflective i'm slow i listen i sometimes listen a second time to go ah that was a really interesting point I allow any emotional charge or trigger to move past me. I might not respond that moment. I might respond a day later and go, oh, yeah, I didn't really have anything to say when you asked me. <laughs> Whereas in, in a normal conversation, we think we have to have the answer. You know, what, what my boss just asked me, oh, my God, how does the answer? And we don't get great use out of this yes. awesome thing. When I say this, yes. uh, for anyone listening um, or watching, I mean this mind and body, body mind that is the most... Um, complex organizing system in the universe as far as we know it's insanely cool uh, it's got so many facets and pieces right from the vagus nerve and the heart and the gut brain yeah. the actual brain all of it and um we're using like really poor um habits around it and and um i think that's what we get this invitation to do is sharpen up the way we use our Think you know, use our power because everything we want. So I keep always saying, I, th- I say this in every single keynote, every single workshop. I say everything you want to change out here in your business starts off with a shift in how your nerves fire in here and down here, and how much time do you spend mastering that? Probably less than ten hours in your life. Right. That's that the equation you're dealing with. Yeah, and that <laughs> can implement the, the biggest amount of change without a doubt. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, Nick, we're going to take a quick break. Holy moly. I'm like, wow, I could just keep talking forever, but we are going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor. When we come back, we're going to talk about your newest book. We'll be right back. Do you want to be a go-to expert that news reporters, anchors, and media producers turn to? Are you a media professional looking for credible, reliable, and timely guests? If you answered yes to either of those questions, then shock your media potential is for you. This one-of-a-kind platform connects vetted experts with news professionals around the globe. As a part of our launch celebration, you can participate for free in our Shock Your Media Potential virtual conference running March 28th through April 1st. Together with my co-host, Eddie Luisi, known as stage manager to the stars and also stage manager for Good Morning America, we have interviewed 25 media personalities and professionals to ask them the questions you need to know the answers to. Like, how can I make myself more newsworthy? How do I best pitch a story? How do I get invited back again and again? And much more. Some of our guests are household names with exceptional on-camera careers. Others are award-winning directors, producers, camera operators, audio engineers, celebrity hair and makeup professionals, and so much more. To learn more about our platform and our conference today, go to shockyourmediapotential.com. And we are back with Nick Jenkle, and I can't wait. Uh, I just, every conversation with you is fantastic. But I also want to talk about this new book. So now lead the change, repurpose your career, future-proof your organization, and regenerate our crisis hit world by mastering transformational leadership, which I think is quite in line with what we were just talking about. So it is, yeah. Um, tell me about this book. When did, how did this one come about? And uh, what do you want people, you know, if they're contemplating a new book, why would this be one that they want to pick up? Yes. Good questions. <laughs> <laughs> so it came about because I've written before that three books. Right. And I still didn't have like the obvious book to go with my, particularly my keynote speaking career, which has been taking off. Um, and it just seemed crazy that I would be talking about leadership uh, and I'd be talking about transformation leadership and I hadn't actually got a book about transformation leadership. So, okay, right. That's the start point. It was going to be quite a short book. It expanded into a master work uh, of um, depth and sophistication. And I thought, fine, I'm going with it. I'm, go I'm writing essentially the Bible of transformation leadership. Um, and that's it. That's what I decided to write. And the reason the subtitle is so long is because it really looks at your own leadership, your own purpose and your own resilience. It then looks at leading your organization, the second level, um, uh, your team, whatever. And then it looks at, well, hold on, your organization, in your leadership of your organization, you have an opportunity to play a part in doing what we need to do for the world. And given I was... Um, finalizing the edit at the beginning of lockdown i was like this is gonna be this is relevant this is what's got to happen so that was the first thing that was the first sort of reason so so i'm always very aware that in everything i'm doing i'm helping people look at these three levels my leadership my life my parenting which is my my form, a form of leadership for myself and my family and my original team then i've got my enterprise and i've got the system that i'm part of and every the only way systemic change can happen 
sustainability, social justice, equality, is through organizations. It has to, right? Because they make up our world. So that's kind of like the core. And then also you mentioned in your intro this um, theory that I've been working on with my business partner and wife, Alison McCauley. And we called it, we used to call it the switch on way, and we now have called it biotransformation. We've changed the name of it to biotransformation to be a bit more uh, accurate. And I realized there wasn't anywhere where I'd written it, the main principles down. So I used this book to do two things. One, sort of, here's my take on leadership and, and particularly transformation leadership, why we need it, what it is, what it looks like, how you do it, um, and why it can change the world. And then I also put in the middle of it, and these are the seven principles of transformation full stop that everyone who wants to change anything at any point in their life of any sort needs to understand. So that was kind of um, the genesis of it. Um, and uh, yeah, I've had really good responses. Um, and, you know, there's a lot in it. There's a lot to draw on. And as with all books, that some of it will touch some people and not others and, and other bits will touch other people. Um, and it, it, it's got, it's not meant to solve all the problems, but it creates a map mm -hmm. of, of the problems and where you might go for specifics within that. So it looks at resilience, but it's not a book that gives you every answer to resilience. You know, it, it's, uh, it looks at systemic change, but it's not a book that about systemic change. So it's got a little bit of everything of this map of, of leadership that starts in the deepest inner of yourselves and ends at the deepest outer of your system. Mm -hmm. I think when we spoke last, I thought you talked about like six levels of transformation. So now you've got another one. <laughs> I don't know, maybe you told me something. Then. Coming out all the time and the new levels. Um, <laughs> well, our, our leadership curriculum, which is the, you know, my day job, is, is, has got six modules mm -hmm. of a spiral that goes from conscious leadership and then purposeful leadership. So conscious leadership is how do I show up without my habits and my patterns diminishing me? Yes. and others purpose yes. leadership how do i what's meaningful to me what's of ultimate concern and how do i show up therefore ethically and within a you know with a a, a, a movement towards something good yes. then third level creative leadership so what i want to create in my business and my projects and my services products processes then how am i going to get everyone else to do it with me which is collaborative leadership mm -hmm. then how am i going to tell everyone the story to get the whole world in into it so it's influence and inspiring leadership and then how do i want to change the system and become a more regenerative and just uh, society so that's kind of the way it goes but just because you do that once in your life doesn't mean you don't just start again and to keep doing it it's, right. it's a non-linear process of becoming and in all different situations for like you yeah. said absolutely family your family dynamics your business the world the community well since we last spoke i actually um finally found the coaching group that i work with because from somebody i was interviewing for the podcast but um i took her a little kind of this little test about being highly sensitive so you know not like getting mm -hmm. my feelings hurt a lot although that happens but really understanding that my central nervous system processes information differently i always just hsp yeah, yes. I'm an HSP. Only found that out a year ago myself. It made a lot of sense of my life. It made a lot of sense in my life. And yeah, the things you were talking, yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea. Yeah. And even even things like just how I respond when a um a fire truck goes by or an ambulance. Totally noise. The pain of that. Yeah. Oh, I everybody used to make fun of me because and I can't I can't even say it right now without getting goosebumps before I've even said it, but styrofoam rubbing against oh. this thing just <laughs> ugh, heinous. I wear but, earplugs at night, uh eye mask. Mm -hmm. 
I, I have my room like super quiet. Yes. My kids are like, oh my God, dad's so crazy with noise. Yeah. And I, it was like a revelation. Oh, it's because my nervous system zipped up. Yeah. On the other hand, I can go and see a classical, a Beethoven concert and mm-hmm. have paroxysms of ecstasy and oneness because I'm feeling it so much. And I'm looking around and everyone else is like, yeah, nice, nice. They're like, nice. yeah, that's all right. And you're like, don't you understand? <laughs> this is beautiful. I know. Yeah. I keep crying in uh, you know, commercials. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. But to so, your yeah, point- it's great. But, you know, some of the things you were saying, I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, it is so important because I've had more success in my business in the last year than in my whole illustrious career or my entrepreneurial journeys. And I've had a lot of great successes, but not only have I had more successes, I've had so much more peace. And so the way I operate with my team is so different than a year ago, just being more cognizant of those pieces of me that impact them and really understanding how to try and pull those things together. I mean, I'm still working on it and learning it. It's to your point, it's a constant journey where you're like, Oh, wait, I can apply that here and there. And wow. What kind of, what kind of things will that do? If I even just, you know, give my family, my relatives, my siblings boundaries with me that I didn't have that impacts how I show up at work. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a massive fan of bringing parenting insights, relational insights from life into into leadership work. Because leadership is basically about relationships, relationship to yourself, to your business, to your team, to the world, to your customers. Um, And given that most of the people I work with at the age I work with them, and so they're VPs, SVPs, C-suite, they have kids, uh, some have grandkids. Um, It really gets them to sort of get oh my God, I wouldn't speak to my kid that way. So why would I, or, and I, I wouldn't speak to my colleague that way, even if they're three rungs below me. So why am I using this technique with my kids? Cause it doesn't work. So there's a lot of flow for me between these different spaces. Um, and, um, a lot of, a lot of reciprocal insights from the two worlds. Yeah. I love it. Nick, I could talk to you again for hours um, fascinating. I love what you're doing. I'm excited about your new book. And you know, when I get it, I will buy the hard, the, you know, the paperback or the hard copy so I can write in it. As we just had the Kindle discussion before we start, because you know me, like I'm very, I got to write it down. It makes me more too. Sense. This is just from today's chat. You know, this is going to write it down. It doesn't write it down. It doesn't go anywhere. We're kindred spirits. Now I know we're going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, including links to all four of your books. But just in case somebody's like, I can't wait, I've got to find this man right now. What's the best way for them to find you? Uh, um, switchonnow.com is uh, my main website. Uh, and there's all the social channels. Uh, and LinkedIn is probably my best for like a personal connection. Nick Jankel with a J um, on LinkedIn. And I do respond um, uh, to people who, who, you know, connect for the right reasons. Um, and uh, if you're interested in sustainability, futuremakers.global. Okay, futuremakers.global. That's I'm excited to take a look at that as well. So before we begin, even though you've given us a lot of words of wisdom, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Well, is, um, I, whenever I give advice, it's to myself as much as anyone else. So just everyone knows that. I remind myself of my own learning so I don't keep relearning them over and over again. <laughs> One of them is don't give up the gains of the last two years in a rush to some normal that doesn't exist and never will exist. Uh, and particularly for me, that means respecting your journey through your day 
of highs and lows and energies and need for time out and walking in the woods and and being with your kids or whatever. So that's like one really important thing. Don't give up the gains. Bring them forward into the future and give up any idea of uh, going back to another. It's gone. So always, it always the future past has always gone anyway, but it's yes. really gone now. So let that go. And I guess the second thing is, although it's tough out there, and I think the economic situation is going to make it really tough for the next few years, um, stagflation blah, sends shivers down our spines. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot going right out there. There's a lot of leaders who are waking up. There are a lot of companies that are getting purpose and sustainability. There are a lot of young leaders coming in who really have a lot of skills from being brought up in a, in a more um, empathic, spiritually intelligent way. Um, and we can all be part of that. We can all do our bit in our area, whatever that is, um, and still make a living and make it, you know, make things work for us. And make it even better. <laughs> I love it. Nick, thank you so much for being with us again. I have really enjoyed our conversation today. Me too. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today. <laughs>